Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Midweek domestic podcast time. I love midweek rugby. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, yeah, let's just get crack straight into it then because we've got more rugby to talk about. Second podcast of the week. If, if, if you're just finding the first one, this, the first one, then what, you, what you're doing, hit subscribe and go back and listen to uh, the episode about the weekend's rugby. This is about the games we've just finished watching. JB, hello. Hello, Tim. How are you? Oh, so good. Uh, how are you doing, Phil? Hello, Tim. Very good, thank you. Can we just have midweek rugby every week? <laughs> it feels special, doesn't it? Like it's a World Cup or something. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's a great shout. That's, that's what I was thinking. It's brilliant during the World Cup to kind of relax and watch a nice game of rugby on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it's got that feeling. Yeah, I was uh, leaving the Beardborn Co. offices uh, yesterday. And uh, I, I was rushing out. And I, people were going, is it not a bit early if he's been leaving at half three? I was like, I don't think you understand. Sailor kicking off at half five. <laughs> get home. He needs to get home to watch the rugby. <laughs> well, we've seen six games. Every team in the uh, Gallagher Premiership play across the last two evenings. Uh, some games more significant, some games of significantly better quality than others. And I think that should be reflected Absolutely. Uh, in, oh. in, in, in what and how we talk about these games. Sorry, I just need to... Have we sorted out our, our Twitter account being hacked? What do you mean? Some, some lunatic tweeted from our Twitter account, uh, sorry, apologising for the sale game, because apparently we'll never get that time back. I couldn't, it couldn't have, been, couldn't have been any of us, so it must be a malicious hacker. <laughs> <laughs> it was an awful game of rugby, it, that. Absolutely all... dreadful. Ugh. How dare you? <laughs> it was dreadful. I, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Um, but I, 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 I do think that the quality of the games and the significance of the games should absolutely factor in, in the time we give to, to any, of the, any of the matches. Okay. So... Uh, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess the quality performers of this block of games has to be Exeter Chiefs then, right? Uh, Exeter, Saracens, Bath. Uh, and Sale. I'm gonna and to Sale, play. yeah. That's what yeah. Sale in the inside group. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Bath look like they mean business all of a sudden, don't they? They look like they're a serious outfit. I, I, do, I do just kind of, kind of want to say, if anyone did listen to the whole of uh, the, the podcast from Sunday night or Monday morning, as you might have listened to it, I was only wrong in how right I was. The, 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 the Bath team that I picked, I even named their, their, their exact eight pack that I, that I said that they, <laughs> they, they would go with. And, and I said they'd do the business. They did, didn't they? 
they, they are a powerful bunch of boys and it feels like they've got a bit more direction now like they've found what they, they're comfortable with what they are you're on the hooper train you're on the hooper train jb I, well i think i'm on the um what's his name neil hatley train oh just you can't bring yourself to, to compliment well, Stuart hooper no i you know, look you've got to compliment the guy Got to compliment the guy for having the sense to make Neil Hatley head coach. That, <laughs> yeah, that is his job, isn't it, as director of rugby? He's not a head coach. It's a good appointment. It, well, it's looking like a great appointment because in the front row stocks, he's got six um, genuine class, like quality premiership operators. Nine. Uh, well, Na- because, because, because the, the Bath front row that wasn't on show is... Uh, Nathan Cat, Ross Batty, Henry Thomas. Now, there's a few clubs, Harlequins, Northampton, and, and, and a couple of others that could do with that front row right now. In, in 2017, that's a frightening prospect. We've not really seen them that much, those three. No, no, but the, the, the point stands that unlike, uh, who was it, um, uh, Wasps, who've now lost two tight head props, they're in a world of pain if they can't get one or both of them back fit. But Bath can can take can take injuries in in most positions, and well, as they kind of demonstrated uh, with their performance at Northampton, they can take injuries, they can change players up, and they've got real quality to come in. Yeah, Bath. Um, I think Bath have got to grips with what they are. They've got more direction. They are serious. I mean, they are. I don't. I wonder if they're the biggest threat to Exeter actually. I the so this was a very impressive performance, particularly when you when you consider. That um, oh sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, guys? Yeah. yeah, cool. Just getting a bit of a bit of feedback. Um, so yeah, this was a particular particularly impressive performance. Was it was it feedback like Courtney Law's got feedback on Twitter from noises? <laughs> that kind of feedback, not quite that toxic, Tim. <laughs> um, so yeah, particularly impressive performance when you consider that this was broadly a second team. I mean, there's a lot of guys there who are one A or um, 1B, like Benno Abano um, and Christian George and Will Spencer and Zach Mercer um, and Rocco Daguni, obviously. Yeah, but there's two in there as well, isn't there? In, uh, what's his name? Um, Mike Williams and Spencer, who are ferociously physical specimens. But, and they're fitted in and they look like they could be first teamers. And they came from a club who couldn't work out what to do with them. Well, it's blatantly obvious what you do with them. Let them wander around and whack people. Let, let the boys play. Yeah. 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 I mean, the depth, and you're right to say that um, they could be first teamers because the, the um, quality of competition in a number of places is quite incredible. Where there is not quality in depth, um, and it's probably a key position, and it, this is where I see Bath's biggest weakness is the fly half shirt. Yeah. And. Yeah. Priestland is a solid operator, but for him to be first choice at this stage, it's a club like Bath with Matavesi, who is, uh, I mean, maybe a crash ball 10 is probably the best description of Matavesi's <laughs> playing I, style. Uh, to Matavesi, I think he's got good all round skills. He has a, he, he doesn't have a nice, powerful pass on him. He, he just, he, he's, got, tr- he's got a great all round skill set. He does. Bath like their crash ball 10s. But, Butch James have had in the past, haven't they? But if you want, if you want to be competing for the top four, I mean, look at Exeter's um, reserve ten, Steenson at thirty-five or thirty-six, who mm. just ran the game beautifully. But there again, right? If you, I mean, I get what you're saying about 
Priestland. Is Priestland that much worse than, than Steenson? No, but Steenson's second choice. Priestland's yeah, first choice. Steenson's won the, won the Premiership. Uh, yes, so Steenson, in his prime, two, three years ago, sensational. Was, better, was, was, with a handful of Welsh Cups, 70 Welsh Cups. Sorry? Would you, if you were Wales then, would you have picked Steenson over Priestland for 70 Cups? Uh, probably, yeah. It's a, I'd, I'd consider it. I'd consider it. But I don't think there's a... I think it kind of shows... Yeah, yeah but Phil's, Phil's point is Bath's first choice and only real fly-half choice, although I do think Tom de Glanville will end up there, uh, but is Bath's only choice is we're arguing whether he's on a par with Exeter's second choice. He used to be their first choice. And yeah, all yeah but, that's, but that's Phil's point. Exeter yeah. have got two that are really, really, really good. It's more important to build the thing around the player. Make sure you, you've, you're not playing a game plan beyond the capability of your 10. And I think if Bath do that, Priestland will be as good as anyone. Yes, That'd... but if, if Priestland gets injured and he's out, they're in trouble. Yes, I would say Gloucester are in more of a problem with Flyhoff because if their Flyhoff goes down, what do they, what do, they do? Because they are utterly reliant. At least it's kind of like not being addicted to cocaine. Right, as soon as someone takes the cocaine away, there's no real problem. Like Bath, if they don't have a great fly half, they at least it's easier to replace than someone like Briani. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that that is a very good point, but Gloucester are not at the same uh, chunk of the table as Bath are. No, Bath are definitely competing top four, and yeah. they want to be competing for the final. And, and let's Gloucester do this. Will be happy to finish in the top eight. Yeah, and let's do this. Like a, like a, imagine the Gallagher Premiership is, is a board of guess who. I mean, the old game, guess who. We can knock down Harlequins. They're gone. They're not making the playoffs. I agree. Yeah. Isn't it funny, though? Like, before, after the first round of restart, fourth place was, was anyone's. Like, literally, could have been Northampton. It could have been Gloucester. Yeah. Could have, yep. Uh, could have been... Um, Sorry, Harlequins, Gloucester, Northampton, Wasps, Bath. And two of those teams decided, yeah, success isn't for us. <laughs> Not our thing. We, we don't like it. We don't like the pressure. We we're, ha- we're happy in the middle. Well, it, it, in the case of North, uh, Northampton are teetering on the edge now. And another, well, they, they, can pro- they, can't, they can't really lose many more games. What are they now? Five points off? Four points off. Four, okay, so they're four, four points off four. So they can, they, they can get top four, understand, but they have, they've got to stem the tide and turn things around. The problem that um, Harlequins and Northampton have got, and conversely, when you look at Bath, Exeter, Saracens, Sale, what Northampton and, and, and Harlequins don't have is, is a set piece. Their scrums are absolute bobbins. Yeah, and not only that, I've heard from lads that have scrummaged against Northampton that they they scrimmage in a very peculiar way because they are so worried about it. It's kind of like a compounding problem. That said, they didn't look too shabby when Ethan Painter was on. Not this game, last game, sorry. Yeah, yeah in the last game. Yeah. Uh, they, they did struggle at times in this game, though. Um, did, you, did you see them packing down when Tonks had gone into the bin? Did you see who went to tight head, uh, tight head eight? No, who was at tight head eight? Uh, Naira Voro. Bossy. Uh, 20 stone as a tight head eight. Hey, he uh, basically... Did he do that against Wasps when they won with a man in the bin? No, Wasps... How on, who beat who? The Wasps beat... 
Wasps beat Northampton first game, was it? Yeah, at the Rico, Wasps beat them. I'm sure Naravora was playing basically like auxiliary forward, picking and going around fringes and all sorts. Yeah. One thing I will say is I cannot wait and, uh, until there's an East Midlands derby with Nairavoro on the right wing and Nandolo on the left wing for Leicester. <laughs> That's going to be tasty. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. They are two enormous men that love to bosh. <laughs> and it was good to see Nandolo um, back playing. Yeah. Um, I, so... Who, who watched what game of the 6pm games today? I watched Leicester. I can't keep my eyes off Leicester. Because I, I started watching Leicester, yeah, and then as soon as I saw you were watching it, JB, I immediately flipped over to oh, Worcester. It, it was like watching, at times it's like watching a Barbarians game. It was bloody brilliant. No, it was, it, the bits I saw did not look brilliant. And the, sco- <laughs> and the score sort of suggests it was not brilliant. No, I mean, uh, I had two tries disallowed. Um, they yeah, both can... wanted, uh, London Irish, for their part, I mean, they were a bit skittish uh, and about 74 minutes in, uh, they, had, they had a phase of play and they were just going side to side, side to side. It, it looked good. It, it, it looked fine. Um, mm. I thought really enjoyable game, actually. I th- I'm, 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 well, what I've picked up from people that did sit through it is, well, one in particular, some in particular who took your recommendation of watching that game out of all of them and said, thanks for that. That's 80 minutes. I'll never get back. Um, <laughs> so, um, How much I don't think it's good. This, all the storylines of everyone will see. There's plenty of bosh. It's great. Someone tweeted us and said, because um, well, that was your idea, the storylines in Leicester are great. They said, yeah, the storyline in The Hobbit is great, but the film shit. I've, I've got to admit, you've got to want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so Phil, I watched a little, but I sort of flicked between Worcester and Quinns. And I know you watched more of Worcester, so I'll maybe leave you on to, to sum that up. But I'll just, I'll sum the, 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 um, the Quinns. The Sarri's um, Gloucester game. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you focus on the Sarri's Gloucester game. Um, oh, sorry. I'll focus more on the Sarri's Gloucester game and you can yes. do the uh, Worcester Quinns. But, um, <laughs> one thing I noticed that Gloucester, that Steve Varney, he looks, the scrum half, he looks a bit rapid. That's one positive we have identified over the last couple of games. And also, I quite like it. There's not many 20 year olds called Steve <laughs> these days. <laughs> nope. So, so um, yeah, Steve Varney looks, um, he looks decent, but not a great deal more to say about Gloucester, who did have a very changed up team. But then, actually, on paper, you'd say they were quite well matched because Saracens changed a bunch up and I just got to commend Saracens on the attitude that they're showing in effectively other than pride are meaningless games but it says everything about that organization the people involved the coaches and the players that pride is enough to make them keep going to the well and digging out really good performances couldn't agree more couldn't agree this game I've seen the tries I've seen Wollstonecroft's hat-trick of pushover tries um but this game is the the Saracens team is probably close to the one that will be playing for most of the championship games next year. Yeah, and they've just comfortably turned over Gloucester. So that at, probably at Gloucester. Uh, no, this was at Allianz, wasn't it? Oh, Allianz. Sorry, I'm I'm all over the shop. <laughs> um, but that is a if ever there was an ominous omen. Um, we kind of knew it was going to be tough for all the other championship clubs next year, but this is. Um, 
conclusive proof that it will be very tough at all times, almost no matter who Saracens put put on yeah, the field. Yeah, I've got to remember, what, four years ago, um, I'm, I'm on record uh, saying this as a very, very good guess, Tim Swinston was making a, a late push for the Lions. <laughs> you know, looking at what happened today, you, would, you wouldn't be surprised to hear his name in the mix again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Marrow, Marrow, yeah, I'll be, Marrow will say, yeah, I'll be captain, but on one condition. And then Tim Swinson ends up going to South Africa. Yeah. Bring some, please. And why not? <laughs> um, one, one other good thing from Gloucester, from what I saw. Um, friend of the pod, Mark Atkinson, running some beautiful lines and getting some nice offloads in. Uh, other, other than that, other than that, Gloucester. Not, not it was nice great. to see Henry Trinder playing, actually. I'll say that with, with a lot of injuries. And so, Touchwood. Yes. Eva. Well, and like, because someone else who keeps having injuries is in my fantasy rugby draft team. Two times now, Harry Malander's been named in the starting 15 and pulled out just before the game. Yeah, both with knee injuries, which was, really? which is what kept him out for at least 12 months, um, a year or so ago, or 18 months ago. And I am worried um, because he, he is a really, really talented player. He's yeah. a very good balanced runner, very quick as well. Good distributor, good uh, kicker, can read the game really well. And he's evidently having some significant injury problems as a potentially, potentially England's Geordie Barrett, as we've said a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. If Chris Boyd has his way with him, potentially. Uh, now, I want to just focus a little bit more again on Exeter versus Bristol. Yes, yes let's do yes, that. Yes, please. Um, a, a couple of things stand up for me here. Uh, one thing is uh, good teams beat good individuals, and that's exactly what Exeter are. Not to say uh, Bristol aren't a good team, they are, but Exeter are a much better team. Uh, second of all, uh, here's a statement for you. Phil Dolman better than Semi Randrander. <laughs> <laughs> this yes, young... If you judged it only on 80 minutes... Well, I don't know what else to judge it on, Tim. This, I, I've never, this young outside centre, Phil Dolman, I can only, by the way he played, I can only assume he's of uh, Fijian descent because he was ghosting in and out of tackles. Handed, he handed off Nathan Hughes, scored his try, beating men for fun. He looked sensational. Yeah, they... He's got a couple more years in him, hasn't he? Because he, <laughs> he was going to be finishing after this season's done, isn't he? he was yes. supposed, yeah, he was supposed to finish in June when his contract Dollars. expired. Keep so going. He's, he's got a short-term extension, but then he's going to be play a coach at, at a team down in the, the southwest. He deserved that. Like, come on, can we just Wayne Pivak? Just give him Pivak. Just <laughs> give him his one Welsh cap that he deserved. He was robbed yeah. of it. Exactly. Uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you know, obviously, being being a very serious rugby north for one second, you don't have you know. Your opposite man having a really good game does not mean he was better than you or he was, you know, um, or you're responsible for it. But on a very pure, uh, on a very uh, pure child, 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 childish basis, it absolutely does mean this. Because I kind of think that Phil Dolman approached this game as, game in, I will show you, you're the big signing. Uh, now watch this. I've been, I've, uh, I've been around this game for quite a while and uh, he's kind of proved a point there. Yeah, he, he he really did. He looked amazing, and that was um, probably typical of the the Exeter team, who were right across the board, 
they were second teamers uh, with, a, with a few exceptions and a few guys who are, again, 1A or 1B, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. But they, they all fronted up. The, the forwards were incredibly physical right throughout the game. The backs played brilliantly. And when they got the opportunities, guys like Dolman and O'Flaherty and Woodburn took their chances going forward. And they had, interestingly, they had some um, very experienced players like Steenson and Dolman and some young guys, n- no younger than Josh Hodge, the former Newcastle and England in the 20s, uh, fullback, who he had a fascinating game. Yes, absolutely fascinating. Lots of facets to this game uh, for young Mister Hodge. I, I, but I, I, once again, I just I looked at him and on balance, I thought, well, I just thought there you go. It's more of indication that Rob Baxter does his homework uh, in terms of players on the pitch and how they, how they specifically will fit into Exeter Chiefs and. From, and I'm sure he's, he seems to do his homework on whether they're good blokes or not. Yeah, but and, literally every one of these, Tim, every one yeah. of these in the back line from 9 to 15, you know, it shows that he knows his homework because he got the, you know, the young English schoolboy phenom. And that's basically what Josh Hodge is. But, like, he's also got Tom, Tom of Flattery. Uh, who was he before, uh, uh, before Exeter? He's got Phil Dolman, Tom Ollie, Wood- Ollie Woodburn. Let, uh, just uh, just there you go. Bath don't want don't want you. Don't rate you. We'll have you, and we'll make yeah. you amazing. Um, well, uh, Rotherham. Cheers, Sam Hidalgo Klein. Eight clubs in three weeks. <laughs> you know, he's done yeah. it. Every one of these guys. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but Josh Hodge, I, I want whoever taught Johnny May to run straight. I want them. To, I want him to teach Josh Hodge. <laughs> he, he had a, a fascinating performance. So I watched Josh Hodge last year in the under twenties, and he was incredible. Um, he, he was even slimmer then than he is now, and he is slim and light. Um, mm-hmm. His running is. There are bits that are very reminiscent to Johnny May in the early days. Um, he's very quick, but he looks for space rather than looking for direction. Um, his kicking of sticks in the under-20s was absolutely incredible. He had an a unbelievable record in strike rate kicking sticks. Obviously, we didn't get to see um, that in this game. But we did see, I mean, his first kick with ball in hand, ball goes into his 22 he tries to beat a defender, realises he's not going to get round him and basically boots it <laughs> as a cross-field kick to five Bristol, or five Bristol players and no Exeter players within about 40 they, yards. It actually worked his favour because there's so many Bristol players there. They were confused. I mean, this yeah. wasn't going to happen, was it? They would, you could see they were not expecting that. Like, what do- of, of all their time playing pro rugby, no fullback has kicked that aimlessly and I kind of thought this if that's an omen for the whole of the rest of the game it's going to be a tough game for him but Josh he has got the element of a coach killer in, inside him. I mean he's going to have to have the extra treatment of being really straightened out I think well he did this game straightened him out and, and after that he made some uh, much better decisions he did yeah well, the other thing they're going to have to work on is he, he's too his uh his rump isn't big enough to be an extra. They need to get him on whatever special extra chief deadlift they do to get those, th- those big rumps. Mm. I'm sure they'll work on him. He's, he's got a lot of gym work to go. Yeah, he, he really does. 
Well, what, what do you reckon next to Chief's deadlift looks like? Just lots of weight and then a headdress on, on either side of the bar. <laughs> it's what they've uh, chopped Big Chief in half and he's on either side of the bar. <laughs> uh, Tom Hendrickson, um, I can't believe he's only 100 kilograms. He looks bloody enormous. Yeah, and he, he carried well, didn't he? Has he uh, he's, he's, st he's still got that centre parting, hasn't he? Good question. You might, I, can't, you, I can't remember because I just remember last season. He looked like the kind of guy you you wouldn't want to you what well, you you wouldn't leave your girlfriend. You wouldn't have left your girlfriend in a nightclub that he was in. <laughs> no, <laughs> handsome chap, but he just he seems massive to me. Well, when I look at him, he looks absolutely enormous. But then when I read it, read about him, he's only hundred kilograms and six foot. Doesn't sound right to me. He's a big boy. He looks like six four or something. Maybe I'm wrong. He's massive. Yeah, he's a so, strong boy. Very, very impressive. This will have shaken up Bristol big time, I think, because this for Bristol was a statement game for them, which is lay down the marker, beat the presumed the, the presumed champs, and kick on from there. And you know their their team kind of showed that. You know their selection showed it, and now they're in a right pickle because now they've got to, now instead of fighting over one and two, they're going to be fighting with Sale for uh, three um, well, three and I two. I thought the selection, in a way, and I'm sure Rob Baxter didn't remotely think of this. I'm, it's just the way my mind works because I'm not a winner in a, 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 I'm not a winner in the way that Rob Baxter is. But in a way, it was genius because Ex Ex <laughs> Exeter can't lose because if if Bristol had, had beaten Exeter, well, they can go well. We didn't play our first team, but as yeah. it is now, it's the other way around. Just that slight psychological then it'll do to Bristol and the confidence that will breed to Exeter. And yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I'm not even that, I'm not even convinced I know exactly what Exeter's first team is. Well, th there's a lot of those guys you could slot right in. I think I mean, maybe a handful of them are, are genuine first teamers. I think Woodburn is a genuine first teamer. Is Hepburn um, a first teamer? I think Moon, may, but they're, they're 1A, 1B. They, well, one of Wales' most important players out of nowhere is here, first teamer. Williams Francis, one A, one B. You know, yeah. they've got a lot of caps for for for, for Australia. Yannis Kirsten, Don Allman. Don Allman started Premiership finals. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, we say it's a second team, and it is a second team. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that, I, you know, throughout the squad, it's more rather than the standard of the player, it's a consistency of player. Mm. Yeah, and they all slot in and can do the jobs. Like, like um, Dolman, who is, he is not a replica of um, Henry Slade by any stretch of the imagination, but he stepped into that position, a position that I don't believe I've ever seen him play before. No, I've not. Um, certainly not for an extended period of time. He might have filled in there when there's injuries. Um, injuries mid-game, that is, not, not for an extended period of time. Um, and was just absolutely brilliant because of the systems they play. And like that, it, so one of the really interesting things about Exeter in these last three games is their ability to deceive and the ability to create a decoy where everyone looks one direction and they do something else. And they did it in their first game against Leicester. They did it against Sale and they've done it in this game where because they've got such a wide repertoire of skills and they can go for the cross kick, they can go for a lovely back move, bringing the wingers in, or they can go for a power game through the forwards. You don't know where to look. And because of those three options, 
everyone's focused on a driving mall or a scrum um, and you get a brilliant backs move like the one that's put Dolman through, like the one that uh, Stuart Hogg has scored twice in the, the yeah. past two And off first phase as well, it's worth pointing that out. To, sc- to score against organised defences off of a, off a first phase is it's not normal. And Exeter just carved teams up. Yeah. I was talking to an Exeter player the other day ex-Exeter player, I should, I should say, but still played under Ali Hifa. And what the point he was making about Exeter is they're so well drilled. You know exactly what you're doing in every area of the field. Not to say that they're not exciting or you know, they're not expansive or anything like that, but there are very, very strict rules. So like when you get into the five metre, um, you're not, you're not going to pass it. You know, it is um, a pick and go. If you're going to tip, you can tip, but you've got to tip early. Uh, and that probably is one of the reasons why they can have such a large squad with such consistent depth and they all look so good because they all know what they're doing when they, when they show up. Mm. They definitely do. Um, so this, this is a brilliant win for Exeter, um, not least because it gives them that extra bit of gap at the top. But yeah. Also, just, just on your point before you were making, Tim, um, around the disappointment for Bristol and, and the gains for Exeter, so Exeter coaches and wider squad will have learned a lot about Bristol from this game. Bristol have learned actually very little about Exeter from this game, certainly in terms of personnel. They, they understand how well they play, uh, the, the way that they play, as Jay's been saying, but um, understanding how you play and stopping how you play with a totally different first 15 are two very different things. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I say about Exeter. If you're an analyst you know exactly when to expect certain things, exactly when to. But, 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 but is, you still can't stop it, even when you but, know what's coming. But, no. And then, then that, it goes to my point before that mm. they've scored off um, first phase from lineouts and scrums the last three weeks because everyone's focused on the scrum or the lineout driving mall, and they've gone quickly and attacked off that. So yeah. we, they... They know what they're doing, but you don't necessarily know what they're doing. They have that. They have that little setup from scrums. I think Ollie Woodburn scored a try from it uh, a couple of uh, last week or the week before. Oh, where they, they have um, that. Stri- I can't remember. It. Yeah, it might have been. They have that strike. Yeah, they have, they have that strike move off a, off a scrum where four, three people are all around the fly half. Yeah, and they just pop it out the back, or and and, and it was the what that was exactly the move that Dolman scored from. Yeah, and you you could just imagine Bristol were thinking, "Oh, I remember this move. This is where Woodburn scored against Sale. They went out the back, and he and he snuck round the corner. And then this time they go, nope, different option, same same move, different option. Dolman Bosch through the middle. You know that happened to really obviously um, a few weeks ago. Uh, Bristol again, actually, they were running the old uh, Cipriani out the back for Gloucester, and the first receiver obviously comes in, and that will be Twelve Trees. Twelve Trees gets the ball. Cipriani's out the back, and obviously it's going to a, a, a Cipriani. It always goes to Cipriani, and instead he gave the little pop off to Harris, and then Harris scurries uh, under because uh, everyone is so used to watching Sippers get that second ball that you know just just like with uh, Exeter, they show you one thing, they do another. But that's what, what so that's where the, the two things are really important. The one, as as you've said by the sound of it, Exeter, everyone's so well drilled, they know exactly what they're doing. But then the crucial bit, the little cherry on the top, is having individuals who make the right decision at the right time. Yeah, and and to that, to, wasn't there, sorry, go on, Phil. 
to that point about making the right decisions at the right time, uh, the player who's been picked out for both of those tries, the Dolman try and the uh, Harris try, the player who's been put in a position of indecision in the Bristol back line both times has been Radrada. Mm, and yeah. both times he's he's played. I I love Radrada. He's but he's playing in a new system and he's had pressure put on him two, twice in that very similar circumstances, and he's made the wrong decision in in both instances. Yeah, thirteen's a difficult position to play, and there's not a that horrible position to play. World class defenders at thirteen. Jonathan Joseph is probably the best of. Defender thirteen in the in, in the entire league. Then after that, you know, every, everyone's liable to make mistakes. Well, do you know what Elliot Daly looked good at thirteen today? Mm. Did they? playing? Sorry, Gloucester's kids. Yeah, with Saracens kids. Elliot with... Daly plus Saracens kids. So, uh, so, Daly... t- so there are. I've, I've Phil made this point before we started the podcast. Four teams going away from home with heavily rotated sides and arguably a second team and doing the business. Um, Exeter, we've already mentioned. Bath, we've mentioned. Saras, uh, not Saracens. Sale. Sale, yeah. Sale is another one. Yeah. Yeah, th- those three. Yeah. They're all big, big wins for them because they're just... all... Oh, they're, they're all teams. Um, they're kind of six-pointers in old footballing parlance because they're, they're teams who are, they are competing for league spaces against. You know, the more I think about the Saracen situation, the more of an absolute farce it is, okay? So, because it's been incremental, like, they got their 70-point reduction, then they got a further... Then they got relegated, and then they got a thir- further reduction again. So, in case anyone wants to know why this was the case, they came up with the first the first idea because that was their first idea so their, first, their starting off point was what was it 70 points or 30 points what was it 30 the first five first ban or, or point deduction was 35 points and five right. million pounds yeah so that was that was a starting point right right so it must be done about saracens here's 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 a points deduction and then they thought bloody hell this is this is a bit difficult because uh, saracens are really really good they might actually still stay up so then they automatically relegated them for something else right but then they thought, bloody hell, this is a bit difficult because Saracens are really, really good. So Saracens might still stay up. No, they're not staying up. They might not finish bottom, but nothing in the rules here says that... Um, sorry, nothing in the rules here say, say only one team goes down. They say the bottom team go, goes down. So it might be Saracens plus another one going down. So then they came up with a new wheeze, which is to give Saracens a further points deduction to make sure that they definitely finish bottom and that they go down, right? So really what they should have done, right at the start of it, said, said, right, next year Saracens are no longer playing in the Premiership. The reason for that is that would mean Saracens could compete in the league. And that would be fair, because Saracens should be, what, second? First? Uh, first or second, if you had all the results. If, if, I mean, if they didn't have any of the minus points. They might as well just, just kick them out of the league when it was said, when it was said and done. Because what is the point in them being here other than to ruin someone else's season? Well, they, they, they are ruining people's seasons. Yeah. They, can, they can either stay and take part in the whole thing and then get relegated anyway, or they can leave immediately. But th- what we have at the moment is ridiculous. Well, the, the, so the initial one, the initial one was 35 points and, and um, £5 million. The next one was... Guarantee relegation 
through through a 70 point deduction but no further penalties but that was a trade-off because the the first penalty was all to do with their historic their previous three years in between the unofficial offline settlement in 2015 and the end of last season yeah but just you know they are two separate penalties yes yeah so it's automatic relegation and then further points deduction to make sure the lesser Tigers don't go down effectively or whoever finishes bottom. Yes. So it's the relegation rules... and 70 points. Yeah, because currently they are minus 52. So they're catching Leicester. Well, if they're <laughs> minus 52, they would, they would have started on uh, minus 105. So that's 53 points that they've so started. So they're second year. two points behind Exeter. Yes. Now, Genuinely, what is the? I mean, what is the point in them being here? I admire them so. I, I admire them so much more at the end of this process than I ever did when they were winning. <laughs> well, they are still winning when they were winning trophies, and and they might still be, be European champions. I hope they are. I, I'm I'm not so sure they will be. It'd be a hell of a story if they were. They, they could do it, you know. If they rest up just before they get all all their big dogs out, they can beat Leinster. They could do. They I can. Just... Do. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure they will do. How much money would you pay to see Exeter Saracens in the in a European <laughs> final? Oh. Well, that would be a good game. But can we be really honest? The rugby's not yeah. been great since it's restarted. I mean, we expected a bit of rustiness, but the, the Exeter Bristol game was excellent. I the, thought, rug- I, the, the rugby's look- been poor. The quality of the rugby has been poor. Let's be honest. I I, I don't. No, I, I don't agree. I agree at all. I mean, it depends what you what you want from your rugby. I mean, this is this competent. Is those, I mean, competent is nice. Well, I tell you what, if you want competent, let's look at the uh, the, the sale shocks result. I mean, that is extreme competence in tactics, game management, sticking to a plan. I mean, well, but it's an exact it's an example of a horrendous game of rugby. I, I liked it. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I like it. As a neutral, I'm sure you loved it. Yeah. I no, mean, most... that, that, that was, that, as for neutrals, that was a, an awful 80 minutes. Look, we can't all... Really good to... result and, and a solid performance from Sale. Look, we don't all, all want to go mackerel fishing all, all, all of the time. Uh, I like infrequent big game, big, big game fishing because catching fish after fish is just no fun. Same with uh, refined sugar. Refined sugar all the time is not great. It has its place, but I have a more delicate palate that, uh, other than that, Tim. And I thought that this game was absolutely brilliant in so, ma- so many ways. Really? Cause yeah, because they came in with, uh, with a plan against a very good Wasps team, against a very good back row, which I neutralised, against a very fast back line, which you know, never got going. And that's exactly what they needed to do. And a lot of lads played very well. Ross Harrison was outstanding. Curtis Langdon, very good. Cliff and AJ uh, held that game plan together absolutely perfectly. Sam James scored with a dummy offload. A dummy offload? Sorry, Luke James. Luke James. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of good stuff in, stuff in that. And to go away to Wasps, who were second at, at the time. I mean, you can't argue with that. that that's, that's superb. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, t- to all of your points, and I can understand why a sale fan, no, uh, not not saying you are a sale fan, but I could understand why a sale fan might have enjoyed that game. However, and all those points to 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 the quality of sales performance, I would not deny any of them. 
No, yeah. I agree. How, however, as a neutral watching the game, and I'm sure you might be able to appreciate this point, JB, um, as a neutral watching that game, it was totally punctuated by refereeing decisions. And a lot of them were um, correct, or at least correct um, technically, if not necessary, they had to be correctly enforced at that point in time. Mm. But there, there were 30 penalties, uh, 29 penalties in that game. And it just meant that... Only 10 belonged to sale. Uh, I've got 12, 12 and 17 as, as the, the balance I've got in front of me. Um, but it just meant that neither team really got started. And, and that, don't get me wrong, that beautifully suited Sale's game plan. And that is one of the, the key reasons why Sale won. And, but that meant it was not a good spectacle. And to, to Wasp's discredit, they, so they were the better team on paper but they did not look like it, partly because they can continue to give stupid penalties away and they mm. did not learn from the way that uh, Craig maxwell Keyes was refereeing it. And they constantly, repeatedly infringed around the rook and for the same things. And they compounded penalty after penalty after penalty and made things worse. And it just, from, from, from my neutral's perspective, it was not a good game of rugby, even though it's a great result and ultimately a good performance for sale. The the strategy that I liked here, right, was that the big danger for sale or any team facing Wasps is you've got any Willis on the field, but, you know, a Willis on the field is dangerous. Plus um, Ben Youngs, Thomas Young, and and those two flankers get over the ball as well as anyone. And I think the, the genius of it was, instead of having those flankers going side to side across the field like they do so effectively, they continually put, 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 put up the box kick. They've got both those lads standing, on, standing on, on, on their haunches, going backwards and forwards rather than side to side. And it's same with the same with the line speed that they applied to the Wasps' attack, a very good attack, completely neutralised it. And it was to stick at that plan. It reminds me a lot of um, one of the best games of all time which actually wasn't one of the best games of all time, but I certainly think of it, uh, which is the opening game of the France World Cup, where Argentina did nothing but stick the ball high. And everyone was horrified. But what a good tactic. They beat France in the opening of the own World Cup. And the beauty of rugby is there's more than one way to skin a cat. And that's exactly what Sale showed. Remarkable tactical nous. So agree with that point. I'm just not necessarily certain it was the best game for neutrals. Well... If you don't like that, go, go watch football. I mean, everyone was talking about all oh, summer rugby. It's going to be loads of tries. It's going to be... But I, as I said, I, I would say... I mean, And listen, I, I'm loving watching the number of games we're watching in, in, in the rapid succession. I'm hoping that the quality of all 12 teams will get up to the level that a, a couple of them, a few of them, are managing right now because it is... Um, it, it's... I just, it's not a great spectacle at the minute. Uh, a lot of the games are not, not a good spectacle. And bearing in mind, there's, you know, there's no football at the minute. This is, this is a real yeah. opportunity for rugby to, to get a lot of casual fans. And I, if, no, 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 let's just be honest. If no, you're not, because, if you're not, because you're, 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 no, 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 stop. I'm going I'm to finish my point because your, your perspective is totally not like, and not your, you're, you're so all in, you, you're blinded by it. Like, if you t- turned on Leicester, London Irish, if you turned on Sale um, against Wasps, for example, in, in two games in this, in this round of matches, 
you're not watching the next, you're not watching any more Gallagher Premiership rugby. I don't know about that because we do have a game in rugby. In fact, we have two games in rugby which give you constant action as you want it. Sevens, which is exact exactly as I, I think you're alluding to, which is skills and pace and no. evasion. Oh, okay, no. well. Well, just, just, just a ball in play and some phases and stuff would be nice. And, and then the other one, of course, would be rugby league. And both those, both those games pale into comparison with rugby union. I think if you're, if, if the first game of rugby union you watched was say, Bath versus Northampton tonight, the thing which attracts you is, you know, the seven, you know, there's seven guys on the field with blood streaming down their face. You think, bloody hell, what on earth, earth are those guys doing? It's so bizarre and so physical. I think that's what draws you in because. Yeah, we can never compete with games which are better at that than we are. Rugby, rugby leagues, rugby sevens. You know, football's more flowing. It's it, it's more joined up. There's more ball in play. We can't compete with that. So you know, you've got to. I mean, if you want to talk about a rubbish sport, American football, stop, start. You know, but actually, it's amazing, and that's probably the biggest sport in the world. So I, I'm not I'm not as down as you. Are. I just say it from a different perspective, I guess. Mm. It's definitely a, a different perspective, a, a neutral's perspective. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk but about... any other team would play like this, it'd be a disgrace. <laughs> um, if you want to talk about good performances, the game that I watched at 6pm today um, certainly had 40 minutes of good performance in. Yeah. You could maybe draw out, with the, with the two late Quinns tries, you could maybe draw out a little bit more than that. But Worcester were superb in that first half. They were. And, and this is actually, so I've, I've happened to watch quite a bit of Worcester in the last three weeks or the, the last three game weeks. Um, Worcester have started every game superbly. The, in the first game against Gloucester, they were by far the better team early on until Milani Nanai got himself red carded and then things fell apart for them. Uh, at the weekend against Wasps, it was Worcester second team against a Wasps second team. Worcester were by far the better team and it was only late on the uh, Wasps came back into it. So Worcester are playing some really nice rugby. They've got some talented young lads like Ollie Lawrence and Ted Hill. They've got a few um, canny operators like Huhard and uh, Pennell and Kitchener and Kvezic um, and Cornell Dupree. And they're playing some nice stuff. The problem that they've got, or that it appears to be they've got, is their fitness. Because in every game that I've seen them, they've kind of fallen off a cliff early in the second half in terms of performance. Yeah. So if they can string that together, well, they, they might be pushing for top eight, but yeah, that's, well, that's as good as Worcester can be expected. That's European Cup next season, it looks like. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe, maybe they shouldn't be pushing for top eight, actually, if you say that. Because <laughs> that uh, might be a step too far. I mean, there's something I, I like about Worcester. Uh, I mean, quite often people look at them as you know, a bit of a whipping boy, but they do have something about them. They they, they can turn it on for you know, well, for, for uh, thirty to forty of, minutes. Yeah, like when they get everyone out, they're okay. I think they're well led. I think considering the challenges that that club has with its budgets and you know the own, uh, and ownership and all the rest of it, they do really well. I think Alan, um, Alan Solomon's has a lot has a lot to be proud of there. Yeah. And also, what another thing they've got to be proud of, and they were, they, I agree with Phil, they were really impressive. Um, in the way they had a winger that was incredible at rucking in Miles Benjamin, <laughs> one of the great rucking wingers, uh, on, the, on the basis of what I saw this evening, they have got one of the great mauling fly halves. Because uh, Duncan Weir 
joining joining a driving mall just always always seems to do the business and tip them over well they they so they scored uh three driving more hot yeah. um, tries in that first i mean they, they played some really good stuff besides that to get them in the right place but they they scored three tries and certainly the second and third it was um basically 13 or 14 men in in the hair it but, was a but full big, team big big team dunk of, in his hair was the was the difference he was the one well ollie lawrence scored the second try and then the only try which was not a rolling more pushover try was from he, a mall it was from a mall. They they got there and there were pretty much fifteen quins defending it in the mall. So Hoo-Hard just galloped over and, and flopped over the line. Yeah. Paul, did uh, Paul Gustard? Um, I'm I'm working the Quins game this weekend, so I will I will bring this up in my question before the match uh, on Sunday. But Paul Gustard said of his of Harlequin's performance that. He and the coaches and all the players are embarrassed and hurt. Ooh, ooh, didums. They uh, they were dreadful, and and they, they, they had no they they messed up all their lineouts, and they, they they got pinged at the scrums loads. Shall we have a conversation about Quinns and Gustard? Is Gustard the right man for Quinns? I I still don't know. He's the right man for someone, right? But it's not Quinns, is it? Because whatever it is that goes on at Quinns, they're always going to be Quinns. And I think you've got a sort of culture clash of Hardman Gusto. I know he wants to be a new age coach with, you know, Apache attack, attack helicopters and wolves and whatnot. But, you know, he is what he is. And I just wonder, like, wouldn't he be better off at a place like Leicester or somewhere which is actually hard? And if Quinns are going to be Quinns anyway, why not just get someone who's who wants to do Quinn stuff, you know, someone, you know, flamboyant and just wants to, just doesn't really care about forwards rugby and just wants to throw it about. If they're going to go Quinn's, go full Quinn's, but don't try and get this guy in who is the antithesis of what you actually want in your team. Maybe it's just a bad match. Are you, so the, another point I'd suggest is maybe Gustard should be a specialist coach rather than a director of rugby. I mean, that's uh, another doubt. So, so what we're suggesting there is Gustard to Leicester Tigers and Mike Ford for the head job at Quinns. <laughs> oh my God, Mike Ford would be perfect for Quinns. <laughs> Useful I, rugby, like everything about that works, doesn't it? The, the cliques as well. Mike Ford would fit right in in a club of cliques. Oh, be, oh <laughs> you think you're going to stab me in the back? Let <laughs> 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 I think I think Gustard could still I think Gustard could work. He had a good impact when he when he arrived. The the issue that he's got and he's been trying to address is they had you've got to remember what he inherited. He inherited a a squad of a really he inherited a really mediocre squad which had massive disparity between loads of players that were probably kept too long and on too much money and not enough depth in other positions, and he's been trying to rectify that. But if you don't have a front five, yeah. you can't you can't no. win anything in the Gaelic Premiership, and that's I, what happened. That's what happened this evening. Gustard is basically a master sheepdog handler, and someone's given him a, hand, a handful of basset hounds. That that that's what's happened here. It's just not the right. It's not the right mix. Not the right match. But Wilco Wilco Low is it coming in yeah. tight head prop? He might be amazing. That could make all the difference. Maybe Esther, Hay- Esther Hazen in the centre could provide them a little bit of focus and direction as well. Yeah, and it might work. It might, I, and I hope it does work. But I suspect it won't. 
Mike, mm. just swap. I tell you what, Phil, you're right. Swap Mike Ford with Paul Gustard tomorrow. Everybody wins. <laughs> Don't, everybody. Perfect. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, what was I going to say on Quinns? Oh, yeah, so the first game back against Sale, their scrum looked good. It was mega. Kerrod was... Yeah. Got Baldwin. And Andrew Marlow, of course, who, you know, they, they annihilated Sale. Annihilated them. That's, that's, what, that's where so they need cool. to be. But I don't know why that happens one week. And, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing that's a one-off from well, Sale. Well, yeah, Sale got a bit um, pumped in their next game as well. Uh, and I think it might just be that they've been playing Kearney Eustace and out of position on, on the loose head. Yeah, so mm. I... Fully expect Kuniustay. Do you know he's broken his neck? Kuniustayson. No. Yeah, Kuniustayson broke his neck. Um, not in, not recently, of course. But he broke his neck scrimmaging at loose head, so he moved to tight head. Now there's a story for you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he definitely prefers he definitely prefers tight head. But they play him at loose. So Tim Tim's absolutely right there. And I, you know. Um, Anyone who watches this boy train or play can look at him immediately and go, that boy is worth all of the cash. Uh, so I suspect they will move him to tight head prop and I suspect you'll see Ross Harrison again because he was mega. And Morris, I mean, Harrison, and yeah. Morris obviously is back up. Yeah, Ross, Ross Harrison, I think, reminded everyone yesterday why he has been undroppable since the age of 12. I mean, he was frankly amazing. Well, this is this is maybe one of the things. Um, so the, those three teams that won a second team won away in Exeter, Bath, and Sale. Um, Exeter and Bath had been doing a little bit of rotation anyway because they've got a bit more depth in in their last two games. Sale, well, they, they played the same team pretty much for the the previous two games, almost as if they didn't trust the guys um, behind them, and this has been a maybe a wake-up call in a very good way for Sale yeah. to, to show, hang on a minute, you have got genuine competition across a number of places from these lads. And for my I fantasy did... rugby draft team, I could really do with AJ being the starting 10. <laughs> oh, start, mate. I can't see. How can you How can he not be? I mean, Rob, Rob Dupree, as good as he is. By the way, is that like um, Dan Carter's Racing 92 now? Every time we say Rob Dupree, we finish off with as good as he is. Isn't that like... Um, <laughs> Almost patronising in the way now. <laughs> Rob Dupree, as good as he is, um, Rob Dupree uh, misses quite a few kicks. I don't know if it re- reflects on his stat lines. I assume it does, but they're critical ones too. 
And I think a- I think AJ's kicking will stand, uh, you know, will make him stand out in the mind of Steve Diamond, as will just the control performance. And I think mm. he just fits in better with this sale team. He yeah. played well. He he controlled things very nicely. Now, one thing we we missed on the um, on the rugby from the weekend that I did want to just mention. Have you seen? I mean, he's been playing for a while now, but did you see the performance of Duan van der Merwe before Edinburgh? No. Uh, Massive not, winger. Yeah, not this weekend, but I've seen a fair bit of him because he's been top in the um, Pro 14, albeit now Pro 13. Uh, Metres made charts, defenders beaten charts, try scoring charts for some time now, actually. Yeah, and he qualifies this autumn to uh, for Scotland. I mean, he is the uh, younger brother of Acker van der Merwe, the what? sale hooker. Yeah. Now you've got my attention. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but in, rather than being a hooker, he's a six foot four, 106 kilo willer, winger. Have you ever met Akka van der Merwe? Uh, I've, I've seen him on the side of the pitch. Yeah. I, like, he's, he's small and simultaneously very large. That makes sense. <laughs> like he's quite short, and you know he doesn't have much of a presence about him when you see him. But when you shake his hand, he has got hands like absolute shovels. Like he's got hands which are as thick as they are long. Well, well Duan van der Merwe is large, and simultaneously large. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I he'd be related to the other van der Merwe who played on the wing. Well, I did. I did put a thing out on on Twitter, just asking for a bit of help because you know he he's about to fulfil his boyhood dream. He grew up in Durban, uh, dreaming of pulling on that blue jersey and the thistle. <laughs> and, um, do you think he spent all of his childhood te- texting texting back and forth with By- Byron McGuigan? One yeah. day, picture of a thistle. <laughs> One day, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And he'll get his chance by the look of it. They'd be stupid not to. So his brother's called the Raging Warthog. So I said, what about some help with a name for Duan van der Merwe, but maybe make it a bit more Scottish? And there's some great suggestions, but one stood out head and shoulders above the rest, um, which was from Chris Smart, who tweeted to at Rugby Podcast. And the new name for Duan van der Merwe when he plays for Scotland, I want us to, to, to own this in the way we owned prize-winning Marrow back in the day. Iron Du. That's very good. It's very good, isn't it? I don't think it's going to go with as far as prize winning Mario, but it's very, it's very clever. Iron Du is good. I like it. Very good. Maybe not quite as aggressive as the uh, the angry warthog, but no. I like it. Yeah. I have a feeling he'll be playing in a stadium near Phil very soon. Not too close. Nah, Maybe pretty like, close. Walking distance. Maybe like uh, four or five motorway junctions away. Nah, closer, closer. And on the subject of Edinburgh, just quickly, uh, Richard Cockrell was asked, you know, do, do you fancy a British league? And he, and he said, absolutely. And the reason being is Richard Cockrell said uh, he loved for some of the players in the Pro 14 to understand what it means to play a game where, where it really matters. He, he basically just sort of simultaneously... Um, was positive about the Pro 14 and chucked other teams and some players under a bus saying uh, it'd be good for those players to know uh, what what it feels like when you can't have a crap game. Do you know, the irony of that statement is that he's wrong 
because you know, the only way to get a British and Irish league would be to ditch relegation. Yeah, you couldn't. You, well, unless you're going to have it in two in two leagues, an A league and a B league, but that's never going to fly because no yeah. one's going to accept to be in the B league. And also, the other problem with the A league and the B league is you don't eliminate the problem; you just make it worse and make it lower down. So Richard Cockrell is right, but he's wrong in the sense that um, it will, you know, it won't happen. They, they you will be able to, um, to to have games off, and I can't see British and Irish league being rubber stamped by Ireland and Wales, no matter how much they say they want it. They don't have enough players for it. If they had to pay play Johnny Sexton every game of every game of the year, they they wouldn't want it. They wouldn't want it. The Irish team would suffer too much. He's quoting the te- he's quoting the Telegraph, by the way, just because I was I couldn't remember I couldn't find it in time. He said I'd happily play in a British and Irish league, and I'd happily have relegation because it would change the mindset of Pro 14 teams. Some players have never played in a league where there's a consequence for being crap. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wrong at all. And Leicester do know about the consequences of being crap at the moment. Yes, they do. Although they've avoided it for this year. Wow. Well, how- um, how do the NFL square the circle where there are clearly consequences of being crap, which is you do not do not have have a job? They somehow manage to get it super competitive and yet not have relegation, which is really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and even there is an incentive to finish lower down because it gives you better draft picks. Yeah, but the players don't see it like that because they've got so little security. Hmm. And you could do that is give players less security. And I'm not overly keen on that on that route well less security is even is it's great if you're earning 20 million a year but if you're earning 70 grand a year as a, a flanker who's got to put his head in nasty places um, and <laughs> could be injured and never play again maybe we should just spend a second here to reflect on the genius of a thing which could only happen in the super league which is the million pound game and terminating contracts at the end of the game <laughs> it's still amazing that i got, that I got past anyone isn't it? But you could have that, couldn't you? The bottom team, they have all they have all their contracts terminated, and the club only brings you back if they want. <laughs> but there again, if you want a shit contract, maybe you want to be terminated. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a few players who'd happily have that done. Yeah, if you're a young English flanker just called up to England and you're on a long uh, a long term contract with a club somewhere, and then you wanted to get onto the open market, you probably want to get relegated. Yeah, that's lose. We've got to lose, guys. The only way this works is my naughty step suggestion. Go back another podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's not go over that. But speak, speaking of contracts being ripped up, um, I mentioned it before. The Pro 14 is now the Pro 13. Oh, my God. What a disaster. Because well, not disaster. Just well, a fall. Yeah, it's not a disaster because it's the Southern Kings, um, a.k.a. the greatest rugby company in the whole wide world, Limited. Yeah. have decided that they cannot afford um, and cannot work the um, return to play and therefore are not going to continue with the Pro 14 season, therefore making it the Pro 13 until another resolution can be found. Will they come back next year? Well, I think there's talk of um, other South African teams joining the Pro 14. So rather than potentially the Southern Kings joining... It could be because because of the um, the success of uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa and to the less, a lesser extent Super Rugby AU and the 
confusion around Sanzar potentially splitting, there is certainly talks of some of the, the genuine um, South African franchises in the Bulls, the Lions, the Stormers and the Sharks looking to join the Pro 14. And it's just rumour at the moment, nothing specific. Uh, why are they not playing their own domestic tournament like a, the AU and Aotearoa? Or are uh, they? I, I don't think they are. And I, I think because the COVID situation is considerably worse there than it is in Australia and um, New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, I guess if worst comes to worst, Southern Kings could always play Aroni, Border Reavers and Celtic Warriors, couldn't they? <laughs> They're a little minute mini league. <laughs> now, there you go. There, there, there is your answer. If you're bad enough, you go and join the League of Four. <laughs> the Wooden Spoon League. <laughs> oh, my God. Pro, pro Celtic Rugby, pro whatever it is, whatever number you pull out the air. It's basically a graveyard of old professional teams, of made-up professional teams, which could be sustained. <laughs> um, there's one bit of news I've just spotted. The, the, the there's a there's going to be a trial of live crowds in various sports, and the rugby is going to be tested at the Stoop on the fifth of September against Bath. Mm. Oh, good, good. Um, I mean, we should all be going to live sporting events. If you want to go, you should be able to go. I think that's right. That, that's right, stand. No doubt it'll be thoroughly unenjoyable. You won't be able to sit next to each other or some, or some stupid thing. Do you know what? I went to the shops today. Um, I went to three shops and going into every shop, even though I spent 30 seconds approximately in each and did not touch a single thing, I had to sanitize my hands three, three separate times. There just seems to be no sense in anything. And I imagine if... Uh, people in charge of rugby get their way. This will be a joyless experience. So I'm glad that they're starting to come back. But, uh, you know, I, I want it to be worth it. Uh, I, I'm also, just before we get on to the weekend's games, I'm just going to say something which um, probably, I don't know, probably means I'm a fascist or, or something. But I, I think Courtney Laws is really brave. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, like, well, what are you doing this time? Just the fact that he will offer an opinion, uh, an opinion which I, I think is a majority opinion, but an opinion which the majority are scared to say for fear of the repercussions. I just, I've got to take my hat off to Courtney Laws for just purely for being brave when, when he simply explained his views on, well, various things, but including uh, why he and Northampton and his teammates chose not to kneel he, he did it on Rugby Dungeon first, just, just saying. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He's very, very sensible. He's very, very thought out. And, it, you know, I'll tell you something interesting, uh, which I was thinking about the other day. Because, of course, the Sale Sharks lads got death threats, didn't they, about their kneeling? Are you familiar yes, with that? they did. Yeah. Oh, which was... Which, uh, which a load of rugby... Like, like a load of other rugby podcasters and people that, that like, know you... Uh, for example, and, and that you've offered to help and have helped him many times. Some, some people actually who want to be voices and names in rugby just jump straight to saying, because it didn't fit with their ideology, that there would be people who didn't kneel, who got death threats. They, they just said, you're lying. You're a liar. Why would you, yeah. how, how could you lie about this? Well, I mean, frankly, Tim, they're not important enough to worry about. But... Yeah. That's but you know sometimes sometimes it's worth um, showing up the low quality of um, of your adversaries. But 
you know, you don't tweet something like that unless you know about it. So, okay. That aside, because that's not important to, important to the story. What is important is just getting thinking about how these protests mean different things to different people. And I'm not defending it, by the way. I'm not saying there is yeah. one thing which is right and one thing which isn't. Why? But the Southern lads got an awful lot of criticism both domestically from um, their own Minister of Sport and also from around Twitter and around rugby circles. And I think a journalist or, or two in the in mainstream papers over in the UK were questioning, well, why are the South Africans not kneeling? And the answer is because unlike over here, where we do have racial problems, but they're nowhere near the level of the racial problems that they're suffering in, um, in South Africa, we see it very, very differently. You're asking these people to kneel. And meanwhile, they're getting death threats from, from back home. I mean, the death threats that Sale Sharks lads were receiving were lyrics from um, a song, uh, roughly translated, is uh, One Bullet, One Farmer. Well, why is that? Well, it's because white farmers in South Africa are getting murdered at, uh, at an enormous rate. You know, we saw it with um, Oz Durant. Yeah. You know, so happens to people in the in the rugby community so you know it's a far more complex situation than a bunch of middle class white liberals over here see it and i don't think it's necessarily fair to force everyone from every culture to do exactly as you see fit this is exactly the same problem i had with how people were treating israel Folau, exactly the same problem i had with how people were treating billy um billy v over 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 his religion but we just don't have any thought of what other people are going through they just have to accept what we accept and if they don't, they're evil or racist or something else. And frankly, it's, it's wrong. And one of the things which we said it positively when there was the first weekend back of Premiership Rugby, I think we, we all broadly agreed how refreshing it was to see a grown-up approach where adults were allowed to behave in a way that they saw fit and no one castigated anyone for it because they're adults and they can behave how they see fit just as you or I or anyone can and should and should be respected and tolerated in whatever way they choose to do it. So I, I, there's some interesting points there, JB, that you made that I wasn't really aware of. Yeah, very, very sad points, sadly. Um, anyway, some more rugby. Yes. We've got some coming up for the weekend. Just, yeah. just before that, the two, two things I want to mention about um, this week's games. Yeah. Um, one, have you seen Eddie Jones at the, the stadiums? Yes, why is he wearing a Texans hat? That's exactly my question. Every week, in all three rounds, he's been at at least one game, and in every single um, shot, he's been wearing a Houston Texans. See, he used to flick between different American football team hats, didn't he? But now he's stuck on the Texans, has he? It it, it appears it. The three consecutive game weeks, and at at least, I'd I'd say, at least five games I've seen him at, and every single one that I've seen him at has been Texans. Yeah, uh, he, he, he loves Big. the Texans. Are they any good? Is that where JJ Watt plays? Yeah, he's, it, not the, he's not the player he was. Is he not? Not the player Eddie Jones was. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, if JJ, Watt, if JJ Watts was as good as Eddie Jones, then, they, then Houston Texans would have done a lot better these last yeah. few years. So that, hmm. that's one thing I wanted to mention. The other is something um, a little bit disappointing. And... We've mentioned this before, but sadly, it has started to creep back into our beautiful game. And it is the heinous um, 
awful egregious use of two phrases resource in the resource in the ruck resource in the ruck and affecting the turnover <sighs> why 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 which like this why i understand it if the resourcing of the rook required different elements and different resources and you know there wasn't a, a single word for it like putting men in the rook it's not like you need a certain quantity of bricks and a certain quantity of stone and there's some manpower you don't need resources per se we need we need a we need a rook hr director to to make sure this is resourced <laughs> adequately yeah all... one lock one hooker one outside back and then a scrum half and that that perfectly resources the rook and you can secure the ball it's almost like do you know when on that episode of friends joey triviani writes a letter but tries to be clever by changing all the words using my using a thesaurus (laughs) (laughs) resourcing the rook (laughs) affecting the turnover what's wrong with turning it over Yeah, so I've just noticed it sl- slowly creeping back into some of the comms. Um, yeah. with, with that said, the content that BT Sport are consistently putting out is still spectacular. It's still absolutely superb. So Bearing in mind, it's every game as well. Every, every single game. Every game. Every so game. a broadcaster of choice. I, I, the thing I, I really enjoy about it, it's a pitch side reporting. Second to none, only on occasions. Mm. Very specific occasions. Yeah, yeah, usually European weekends, but some Premiership weekends too. Yeah, yeah the hard-hitting uh, I mean, questions. I, 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 I agree. I have to say, we're all, we're all <laughs> good. We're all in agreement. What games coming up this weekend then? So there's uh, no games on Friday because of the midweek matches. Annoying, but yes, we have to only, we have to deal with only one game on Saturday, which really is really grinding on me. That which is Sale Bristol, and mm. this completely different game to the one I thought I was going to be watching. Well, so it's likely to be a, a sale first team, whatever that looks like. I don't know if their first team is now their second team and their second team is now their first team. But yeah, I imagine it will be a, a strong sale team against Bristol. You'd think they'd have to change things up quite a bit. They're going to bring broadly a second team. That's, again, that's not to say it'll be a bad team. It's no, just, it will be a second team, but sale at home will win. Um, and, and this is this is basically it's not going to decide because there's a, a long way to go yet. But this will go. This could open up some water between second and third, or really close it right up again in that battle for second, which yeah. is important because you want to avoid Exeter <laughs> as much as you can. Well, yeah. if you the thing, you've got to play Exeter at some point. But you want to play them on neutral territory. Yeah, you don't want to have to go to Sunday Park. That is a great point. Which which basically means you can't finish fourth. And with Bath playing how they're playing, you would be looking over your shoulder. So, tell you what, though, finishing third. I mean, assuming Bristol finished second, as awesome as the AJ Bell is, and it is amazing. I think Bristol at home get more out of a absolutely rammed Ashton Gates than Sale would out of a rammed AJ Bell. I mean, I, I mean, Ashton Gates noisy anyway. Imagine it on a semi final weekend. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Would I don't think Bath are going to get that second position. So it's one of those two, I'd say, Sale or Bristol. Yeah, say so it's uh, Bath are four points off. So and they all, everyone's Eight. everyone's playing everyone. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Actually, Bath Bath, Bath could do it, and they're another. Fr- Before the games resumed, we said the top three were done and dusted, and that was going to be Exeter, Bristol, Sale, or Exeter, Sale, Bristol. 
and then we, we, we I think we all favoured Northampton. They have to win away at Harlequins, but then Harlequins have to win themselves. Do you know Northampton's form this year, this calendar year, five home defeats in a row? Yeah, I heard that. And that is... It's not like you watch them and think that's a team that have given up. They are fighting like mad up front. They just don't seem to be able to conjure anything up in attack, which is weird for a team with Chris Boyd as coach. Yeah, and, and so much talent across that back line as well. Yeah. So Quinn's Northampton on Saturday at the Stoop is uh, on Sunday. Sorry, at the Stoop is a very important game for those teams. Yes, give me Saints. We've got too much faith in that organisation. Mm. Exeter Worcester. It'll likely be Exeter going big. I mean, they're they're going to win at home with their big guns. Uh, yeah, we can move on to the next game. And and Gloucester v Leicester is the final one. That's an un- uninspiring fixture. It really is. Uh, Gl- Gloucester, oh. they'll, both, they'll both pick strong teams. Gloucester will win. I can see both these teams scoring against each other quite a lot. So they're both fragile and they're both under pressure. Yeah. Um, if I was a betting man, I would put the total points of this game being well over, well over 40. I can see it going one or two ways. They if the pressure builds up and you get a few missed opportunities, um, I could see this being another, like the Leicester game against London Irish, another 13-7. But if both teams, if they both score early, it could be a very high-scoring game. I, I'm telling you right now, that one is going to be pandemonium. I don't know, can, can both teams lose? <laughs> if, uh, if they could, these two would find a way. <laughs> Uh, Monday, and we've got games on Monday, and in, this is a bank holiday Monday, of course, which is time that beautifully. So we've got a, a one o'clock kickoff: London Irish v Saracens. Ah, Saracens, Saracens. And we've got just occurred to me that's exactly why they're playing on Monday because it's because it's bank holiday. Bank yeah. Holiday. Uh, Saracens against London, London Irish. I would be amazed if London Irish can turn over Saracens. Yeah, they, they and won't. Then 3pm, this is a big game, Bath v Wasps. It is a big game, and I am pretty confident after tonight. Um, I'm not really, am I? Yeah, Wasps can't play as bad yeah. as uh, as bad as they did against Sale. Uh, but even if Wasps play a lot better, they're going to get pumped in the scrum. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be one hell of a scrum that gets the better of Bath. But you know, Wasps have got a few tricks at their sleeve. I think if they can, it depends. If they can win some penalties via the medium of those two flankers, then you know they probably will do all right. Depends on the team. Yeah, and Bath, and just to maybe a real positive to finish on. You know, we were talking about Randrandra, but the the best signing of the Premiership so far has been Ben Spencer for me. He's he's yeah. totally changed the way that Bath side feels. As much uh, as the, as much as the pack being powerful helps, someone that can connect the weapons that they've got in the backfield with the massive men they've got up front. I don't disagree. I struggle to find a better signing than that, to be honest. Phil Dolman. Yes. Young Phil Dolman, picking up that youngster, Phil Dolman. Yeah, his contract had expired, re-signed just for this three-month period. And what a signing. Yes. I wish Jamie Gibson... I wish Jamie Gibson had the game of his life last week so I, so I could have made a Jamie, Jamie Gibson joke re-signing. But he didn't, <laughs> did he? That's the end of that. Excellent. 
Right, good it. stuff. Love it. Midweek domestic podcast. Go hit subscribe. Go find him at Jay Beardmore. Uh, find me at Cocker. Phil's lurking, staying well out the way of the cesspit that is Twitter. But if you do want to find us, that's where. Hit subscribe. Tell your mates. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.